Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to Insurance for the New Possible, a Chubb Conversation. We are joined by Adrian Hill, the head of consumer propositions for Asia Pacific at Chubb, and Elijah Chung, an insurance practice leader. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the wrong room because the people I'm talking to are way too impressive. Anyway, it's great to have both of you here. Before we focus on the central part of our conversation today, let's get a bit of your backgrounds for some context. Elijah, let's start with you. Much of my career has been in insurance. And I started out as an industry practitioner with a regional life insurance company Okay. before moving into the wonderful world of consulting in 2012. Got it. So for the past decade, um, I've had the privilege of working with my industry partners across life, health, and general insurance um, to build success stories for their organizations and for themselves. Super duper. So very happy to be here and looking forward to having a very engaging dialogue with you gentlemen. It's great to have you here. Adrian? Hi, uh, Adrian Hill. So I look after what we call consumer propositions at Chubb. Um, It's it's an odd title and and I weirdly find myself in uh, a similar role, no matter where I work, industries. Um, I've worked in mobile industries, uh, now insurance. But uh, these kind of consumer roles where we're translating what the company is trying to do to the outside world, um, but mostly with a, always with a digital lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess making sense of the insurance industry now and taking that to our partners uh, is what, I f- what, what we do here. So are you a technologist at any level? Are you techno-interested? In other words, you've done everything you said from with a digital lens. Yeah. Where does that come from? Uh, I think just a, a genuine interest in complex things made simple, right? So okay. I think um, when we look at the inside of any organization from the people, the things that they do, the tasks they perform, how do you digitize that? Yeah. Right? And look at, I think they're turning to microservices today, you know, the, the tasks people perform and how do you wrap those up uh, and take those to a business uh, and partners in a more simple fashion? It just fascinates me how how we do that. So for me, my first experience with a computer really at scale was when I was trying to write a paper for one of my classes at at college. And somebody had a Mac, it must have been a Mac 2E or something. And I literally and I was writing on a typewriter with whiteout. Mm. And it was very frustrating. And I remember saying to the guy, can I try that? And it had Microsoft Word on it or some word processing thing. And it was like an epiphany for me. Mm. And ever since then, I can't get away from it. Elijah, I'm really curious from your perspective, because you did work on the insurance company side and then on the consulting side. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. What's the difference for you, right? And do you must feel like the experience that you had at the insurance company helps inform how you then help make those journeys, as you were talking about, so much more, so much better, right? You're right to say we are both sides of the same coin. Right. And what connects us really is we are in a very exciting time where you're seeing so many changes, so many new business models, new technologies being implemented, uh, then, you know, the many decades that, you know, came before. So I think this is essentially what connects us from, you know, the, you know being in the industry and being in consulting. Do, do you feel the change? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I know when I was working at Morgan Stanley and at Goldman Sachs, I felt there were moments where I thought, okay, wait, we're installing a token ring global connected network so that now I can send files to London mm. that's not an email. I just put them up on the network. Like everything changed. Are we at that point now? Are we past that point? Like what does it feel like to you? I, th- I think right now we are living in an age where w- being digital is no longer new. 
it's no longer a differentiating advantage. And I think COVID has really uh, quite a big part to play really? in accelerating that pace of development Fair that enough. I just was talking about. Right. So um, I, I believe at this point in time, being digital is expected of many companies and this is what their c customers are expecting of them and uh, it's a very interesting time to be in because you see um, so much investment into new technologies into building new customer experiences so you're seeing companies moving away from the transactional into the experiential right but it's a big difference isn't it, it? Is. in a way it's kind of subtle but it's also really large no yeah absolutely absolutely i think you know, we, we sometimes forget to translate the expectations we have as a consumer into the workplace. Right, right, and right. And say, well, hang on a minute. We, if I expect that myself, why wouldn't others too? How do I make that happen? Who do I need to ask? How, how do I change our yeah. culture or, or our organization to fixate around those experiences? Right. Right, and if everything is moving to experiential, do you reference other experiences that you have that are outside of your industry and then try to bring them in? What do you think? Definitely. How so, though? Like, I, wh what are you thinking about when you think that's a great experience? We need to have that, too. So, I, I guess many customers, their expectations are being shaped by what they experience in other industries. And they say, why, why can't I experience the same thing in insurance? Right. Why is it do I you know, still have to fill in a pen and paper, uh, a form, just right. to purchase an insurance policy? Right. So, I think uh, definitely our um, experiences... It, Elsewhere, does shape you know, our expectations right. um, as we engage with our, our insurers. So do you think there are apps that people use or other experiences that they have that can then be translated into what you do, particularly in your role, right? If you're thinking about the way consumers are behaving, what they want, what are the kind of propositions that you think they're already using? Well, I th when I think about the app itself, I think everyone's got that you need an app or a website <coughs> or some access point. But yeah, that's a maybe though, right? It's a hygiene factor, right? But I think yeah. behind it, the, the kind of the breakdown of what that, ep that app is, what it does, that almost taking that product management lens of it to say, right. okay, how do it internally, you know, when Uber added that feature or that thing that you love, that didn't just come from one project to launch an app. That's an right. ongoing investment in product management. Right, right, People right. that wake up every day who's the CEO of that product inside the bigger app, they're one of many product managers that just fixate on that experience and add features and functionality. Helping leadership, helping everyone around you say, it's, it's not a project to have an app. It's a product, right? It's living and it's breathing and you've got to break it down. Right. So we talk a lot about digital transformation in the insurance space, a ton, right? But it's not a destination. Mm. And I don't want to be so trite and say like it's a journey, not a destination, but it's really not a destination. We are kind of in this post-digital world, right? And I think, as you said, that COVID definitely helped accelerate this. But now that we're here, there has to be this persistent drive to be more digital and digitally oriented, which you've been doing your whole lives, right, as well. What are we looking at? Like, what does that really mean going forward? There's, there's a behavioral change, right? You know, if you do something enough times, it becomes a habit. And I think COVID forced that habit shift. I think you say if you do something 22 times, and I really must go to the gym 22 times, I think at some point in my life, um, other than just pay the subscription fee. But it, it's that, it was that shift that forced, and nobody knew how, how long that sort of uh, period at, at home was going to be. But you, you had to pay the bill, or you had to do that, perform that task or that transaction. Right. And adoption came organically with that rather than it being forced it just organically came about and i think it therefore it allows companies to, to to take a bit of a bolder move to shift um 
channel behaviors, you know, maybe reduce in-branch transactions or call-based transactions where there are heavy cost loadings right. to help consumers move to more of a digital world. Right. And I will agree with that because right? of COVID, the home has become the epicenter of a customer's universe. It's weird, right? So yeah. They, yeah, yeah, it's functioning as a school, a mall, an <laughs> office, a supermarket. Wait a second, can I just repeat this for a second? Because I hadn't thought about it like this way before. It is functioning yeah. as an office mm -hmm. and a school and a mall. And I yeah. didn't really think about it in those yeah. terms. But when you do think about it, right? Like if you have kids upstairs, it's like an arcade, right? Yeah. In the TV room, it's like a movie theater. Down over there, it's like where you pick up all your packages that you've ordered from Amazon or Shopee mm. or Lazada. Yeah. And that's the mall part. And then mom and dad are maybe in the basement or in the side room doing their work. Wow, I hadn't thought about it like that before. Sorry, go ahead. And so what has happened is that it has um, caused shifts, to your point, mm. in customers' mindsets, expectations, behaviors. Right. And this has really generated a, a lot of new and more frequent customer digital footprints. Go ahead. Which have, I believe, created opportunities for many industries. Uh, and, and those who are brave enough to take that leap um, to capture the opportunities as they come. I, I agree. Yeah. I want to talk about something that you mentioned a second ago, You know that, and both of you did actually. During COVID, we saw these behavioral changes. And I think in some cases, let's talk about companies that we know about, right? Netflix, Shopify, and other companies like that. You saw massive spikes in their usage and also big increases in their stock prices. Mm. And as COVID turns from a pandemic into an endemic, You've seen a lot of that fall off, both in the yeah. stock price and mm -hmm. in the usage of those things. Netflix as well is going through big problems right now because of the way that people are backed off from all of that stuff, right? Because the home is now moving a little bit away from being all of those things, but more so than it used to be. What's happening in the insurance industry, do you think, that's going to keep that persisting? Because the digital transformation of insurance, as we talked, not a, not a destination, right? Mm -hmm. It has to keep going. Is it being driven by the consumers that, that are buying the product or is it being driven by the purveyors? I think, I think it's got to be a little bit of both. I think as, as you recognize opportunity and, um, you know, if we were looking previously before signs of revenue in order to double down on our investment, I yep. think they've seen enough of a shift of, of behavioral change to say this is, this is the trend now. Yeah. This is, this is, it's a hygiene factor to go to that next step. Now. What do you mean by a hygiene factor? It's just a default position. It's uh, my kids expect Wi-Fi so no like matter where they teeth. are the world. It's like brushing your teeth brushing your teeth. It's got to be there. Okay. My kids are, are thinking, where's the Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, where, where, where am I at? Why, is, why doesn't this thing work? Right, right, and right. Uh, as, as we travel around, it's, it's just it's an expectation. So always connected, um, and I think as we as it, as it evolves, right? It's a there are no dead ends, right? This digital cycle, things will join up. These ecosystems create. Whereas each company was looking at them in isolation, there's now opportunity to join forces and collaborate more and more. So, so what does collaboration look like from your perspective? Do you know what I mean? You're sitting there mm -hmm. with this thirty five thousand point view of the whole industry and thinking they're doing something great. This is a new thing. How do we get those two things together? I think it's all about putting the customer in the, at the front and center of your business. Go ahead. And that is the glue that joins different industries and the ecosystem, which basically brings the ecosystem together. Right. So I do think um, going forward, we will see um, digital ecosystems coming into prominence right. because of that. Got it. What do you think about this idea? So I have this philosophy, right? No one succeeds alone. Mm. No matter how big you are or how strong you are. You always need great partners. Yeah. 
How do you look at this partnership perspective? Like, it's it's everything for us. We're in a partnership business. We have great products and propositions that we want to take to the masses through our partnerships. So with banks, e-wallets, ride-hailing companies, this is how we find access to the market. And it and, and partnerships are more than just uh, a, a vendor-supplier relationship for us. They, they can't be, can they? They have to find they the right. They cannot be. Have to find the yeah. symbiosis between what we do and what our partner does. Um, our, our grab ride cover, I think, is a, a really good example. It's a killer of that. example. Of finding this. finding the symbiosis between uh, the customer pain point. You know, I booked a, I booked my ride and it's more than ten minutes late. Uh, for thirty cents subscription, you can have an immediate credit of five dollars straight into your grab wallet. Um, and customers are subscribing to this in an episodic nature. So right. Every time I ride, I've got this protection in place. And if something were to happen to me, I'm protected too. Customers like that, the claim is the proposition. That comes about through, as I say, symbiosis, finding the synergies between what Grab do and what Chubb do and, and really harmonizing those two things together. And I completely agree with that. It's about aligning yourself to the customer's uh, lifestyle. And the customer doesn't think in terms of industry. But just think, can I just interrupt you for a second? Just think about what all the things you've set up until now. Mm. When you were working in the insurance industry, lifestyle, mm. mall, mm. the home has become a different place. Did you think when you first started that this is what it would turn into? No. No way though, right? But that's why it's so cool. Mm. That's why this transition period is so good. I was going to say, I think some of it's forced and then other, other parts of it are organic, right? And it's, you know, any company's got to put the basic layers in place, the foundations, right, to create the environment to build from. And I think over time, we're just able to add those layers and yeah. richer propositions, mm. richer experiences, learnings from the prior layers right and i always think about it as layers and i think when you look at a project you always think i've got to deliver all layers right this time-based cost-based delivery it's got Such an a end good point, point. Yep. whereas again I, I'm, a, I'm a huge champion of product management i think major people should be at the top of our organization they represent the customer and they're able to cut through the business with that same uh, ongoing desire to fix those customer problems and they right. just need all the people behind them to, to to do it so you know adding these layers adding features functionality retiring product or introducing new uh, I think it just allows us to do that on a more frequent basis I think we also have to challenge the definition of what a product is mm. and it should be aligned to the needs of the customer at different times of his life stage as opposed to being um, looking at it from more of a product, you know, perspective, um, and pushing this out um, to the market. Yeah, I find I, 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 I think we've fallen into the traps before of having mass products, you know, <coughs> large, broad products that could appeal to everyone. When and through those layers, we're now able to narrow mm. them in and bring them and make them more specific. And data is helping us understand those specific pain points more and more and be more targeted. I was going to say, do you think technology and data actually allows us to do yes. this in a way that's better? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so, and I believe so. I envisage the insurance product evolving and it will involve the very <coughs> um, intricate interplay between technology and data. I can almost imagine, you know, with um, new technologies coming to the fold, with new developments uh, happening in the industry, especially with the metaverse um, being something that's going to be quite real. And I, I do expect it to become mainstream in, in the coming years. Insurance companies have to really rethink their online presence. Go ahead. How is it they connect with their customers? And also, how is it they can offer their customers more choice, more autonomy uh, to um, make very informed decisions on the types of products and the level of products that they require? 
And all this requires data. Yeah. And being able to make sense of the insights that are generated from it. it and, and, and also the insights that are derived from the customer's interaction with data. I think it's uh, going to be very interesting uh, space for, for companies to, to be looking at. How do you think that customers will interact with data? That's super interesting for me. So at this point in time, I, I see it uh, panning out over different time horizons. right? Mm -hmm. So more immediately, uh, customers want to take control of their digital lives. Absolutely. And I think this is something as insurers, we've got to give it to them. And that means um, finding ways to empower them, um, essentially uh, to um, uh, influence the premiums through their behaviors and their actions. Go ahead. So that's, that's the more immediate thing. You're already seeing all these things happening with health engagement platforms that insurance companies offer. Going forward, I, I do think um, you know, that there would be a need to offer them tools, devices, uh, where they are empowered to co-create um, with the insurer the experiences they want. So for instance, if you are able to uh, supply a, a customer with data right. and he can use it to, um, you know, uh, he can play around with it and to create insights with it to draw his own conclusions on the types of products and services that he requires, I think that would be very powerful. So this is actually super interesting. Mm. When most companies talk about data, data access, data analysis, and then applying technology to that, I always think about them using it for themselves to then almost unilaterally, unilaterally supply new products to customers. But this idea of customers having access to data as well and then being able to use that data to co-create is super interesting, no? I think it is. And with Web3, I think this is where information and data gets more democratized. Go ahead. And customers are owning you know, their spaces on the internet. So, so yes, I, I do see that as a, you know, just my personal view mm. as the future. Do we want to have a Web3 conversation? I'm <laughs> not really. I'm just, the, the reason why I say this is I don't want to get too deeply down the metaverse rabbit hole, mm. but I know that big companies like yours are believers in this, that mm -hmm. they believe that there's a space out there where the interactions can be more immersive, can be more collaborative. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the progression of the way technology has changed the way we interact with each other, Web3 is really just the next step. We can call it whatever we want. But if it becomes more immersive, then this ability to co-create should become more powerful, right? Exactly. Yeah. What do you think? Well, well I think it, it's companies being bold and brave enough to decouple themselves from that, this is my customer, this is my data, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is, you stay in my environment. And, you know, open banking APIs, open insurance APIs puts really the empowerment for the, to the customer to say, um, I'm going to choose where I consume my banking information, where I consume my insurance information. Uh, I, I choose the app which gives me the best experience instead of having to have one app for every single one of where I've got an account, a savings and investments and insurance. I mean, it's, it's a huge opportunity for us to finally give the customer a single view of their coverage level. Imagine being able to log in somewhere and I see love it. everything that you have <laughs> in one it. place uh, that gives you context of, am I covered enough? Am I not covered enough? And the opportunity to do something about that. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I have the perfect example for you. Have you heard of SGF Index? No. Okay, so it's an open finance initiative that's championed by the Singapore government. This is the sandbox, API sandbox for MAS? Um, what it essentially is, is, an, is a, it's a common API marketplace that allows banks 
insurance companies, government agencies, as well as the Singapore Stock Exchange okay. to come together um, to share common customer data. And, and this, is, this was launched actually with the objective of um, allowing the customer to make better and in, in, in more informed decisions with regard to his financial and retirement uh, planning. Mm. Right. And, and to your point, uh, with something like this, the customer is able to have a 360 view of his personal balance sheet, all his insurance coverage, mm. um, everything in one place. And I think once this goes live um, and it's fully operational, it's going to be a really exciting space to watch. And personally, I'm very proud to, to, to be Singaporean because um, this is first of its kind in the world. Yeah. And I don't think at this point in time we've seen anything of such scale and such a size mm. anywhere else. We've got the technology. It's sitting right there. It's 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 almost putting that those APIs out publicly to say go consume this and do stuff with it. I mean, the the, the examples Elijah gave are the extreme of that, where customers are actually doing something with their data, co-creating with right. that. Exactly. But even in the first instance, other third parties having access to that and aggregating a single view of your financial world, you know, and and just putting experience at the forefront rather than containing me to the app where I bought that product or service in the first place. Do you think we get to the point where literally individuals can create their own products and propose them to, absolutely, you know, for cover, right? Exactly. I want to be covered for this. And I'm usually doing this type of behavior and I'm traveling or whatever it is that I have. And I then submit that in a way to you and say, and I can afford to pay this kind of thing so I can set all my own parameters. And that technology then would allow you through the open APIs to mm. say, oh, we can do that. Yeah. Does that happen or can it happen? I mean. I think it has I, to. I think, yeah, that's... that's. Well, I think I there's so much hidden... Not. You know, a lot of people have more insurance coverages than they know of. For know, sure. We've got, a, we've got a credit card in our pocket, I'm sure, and right. I bet you you, do, you couldn't tell me exactly what not the travel cover it comes with or I think I have purchase it. protection. Yeah. We, you know, we want to bring those what are typically known as no, no additional charge products. Banks pay for them to, to, to right. draw you in, and they sit there. And I think we need to bring and empower the customer say did you know you had this right we know you just bought a flight with singapore airlines did you know you got this level of cover it might not be fully sufficient for you and your family to travel and we want you to know about that so you can top it up but there are opportunities there to cross sell to, to really use that as a as a contextual point of reference do you feel like some of the services that big companies are offering are getting abstracted away from the company so building all of this technology that then enables this interaction between the people that are consumer, consuming them, not just the consumers, right, but there's a B2B aspect of this as well, and the companies that can create them, right, because I can get access to my own data, but I can't create products that you can create. Mm -hmm. So is that being abstracted away, this idea of I can, I can propose something, but only you can create it kind of thing? I think it, within insurance, it's already being practiced. I think it's probably more of extending the idea so, for instance, um, in the case of the symbiosis you were mentioning about, Adrian, between banks and insurance companies, right. I think there's a natural partnership there. Mm -hmm. If I were to take on a bank mortgage, then naturally I would need you know, maybe a mortgage-reducing term to cover me sure. for the risk that I'm being exposed to. And I, I think going forward with the ecosystems rising in prominence, I think there's more opportunities for uh, collaboration, cross-industry product bundling to create something that is more integrated, mm -hmm. right, to the lifestyle of the customer. 
where he doesn't need to think, oh, um, you know, I, I get my insurance from here and I get my banking mortgage from here. Mortgage from here. Right. It's going to be quite an integrated experience going yeah. forward. And I think this is um, an opportunity for companies to work together to bring about the experience. We talk about partnerships in yeah. one-to-one nature, but uh, you know, I, the triangle is the strongest shape, right? I can't help but think we could just add one more party and, mm. and from here we start to build these ecosystems. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's where it's got to go. So, I think the issue for a lot, uh, a lot of guys is that it's, um, it's intangible, these ecosystems, right? The metaverse, you can't quite touch and see it. Uh, it's a bit not like yet, the, but yeah. Not yet, ahead. right? Not yet. Right. Four-dimensional, you know, virtual yeah. reality. Gonna Everything's going to come to life yeah. and I think it's, it's helping people understand the tangibility of what an ecosystem means and my policy sitting on a ledger somewhere opposed to uh, as a PDF in my email inbox, right? right. It's, it's that step change that's going to happen. Whether we're able to lead the charge on that, yeah, we're we're definitely going to put our put our, our hat on the table for that one, right? But it's it's our job is partnership business. Right now, I give away all my data for free. Like for instance, I go to a hospital, right? You talked about, and I I love this idea of not having to fill out my forms every single time I go to the same place, right? If I go to hospital A, I have to fill out a form. If I go to hospital B, I have to fill out the same form. That should be open. If I self-sovereign and own my own data, I just naturally have a way to give it to them. But I don't want to give them all my data unless they pay me for it because they take it and then use it for something else. Go ahead. I think at this point in time, we've been talking about open finance, open insurance. Mm -hmm. There is data sovereignty uh, on the part of the customer because he owns the data. Go ahead. And the data cannot be shared until and unless he gives explicit consent to the various parties to exchange the data that's pertaining to, to, to himself. Right. So um, I I do think being paid or being com- remunerated for the use uh, for, for for the use of my data could take many forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be um, you know monetary in nature, as you mentioned. But I don't think we are getting to that point yet. Okay. But it could be uh, you know quid pro quo or in exchange for certain perquisites. Okay. So in a recent survey that we did, um, probably one and a half two years back, um, you know out. The consumers um, we spoke to actually told us that they would be willing to exchange their data for p- certain perquisites, uh, such as you know value-added um, you know services um, and even insights about themselves, or um, even they're they're quite happy to be sharing their data for preferential pricing as well. Okay. So I think that's one way of being remunerated, and it it has to. Uh, present a certain benefit for the customer right. to want to be able to to share um, you know you know information about himself uh, to a third party. Got it. Mm. I agree. I think if I think if a customer can see the immediate benefit of mm-hmm. giving you just that bit extra, right. and look, there are all sorts of devices in play to gamify you know complete your profile with us. You know, but but I think the consumer is very aware it was about just so you can market to me at some point. I think yeah. when they see yeah. the benefit of that more relevant marketing, right? And there was even the immediate thought of, you know, the big brother. Well, I was just talking about that the other day and here this is here. And it's like, well, isn't that a good thing? Clearly, it's something you're interested in. So there's that trust element of this as well. The the monetization may be a stretch too far. Maybe newer, younger generations may see more equity in in their data. I don't know. But um, I think if you want to access a product or service, there's a there's a default position that you know that you have to give away certain information. So if you're thinking about these more immersive partnerships and if you're thinking about co-collaboration or collaboration and co-creation, how do you make sure that there is trust there? Right? Because if I don't give you full disclosure, you can't then help create with me. 
right? It's when I really trust you or when you really trust me, we put all our cards on the table. We can say, you know, if we put these three things together, we're going to get the best result. How do you engender that trust? I think it's a Maslow's um, um, hierarchy, hierarchy, right? Uh, at the bottom, you really have to convince the customer that his data is secure. So that's where we, we'll, I think with greater openness uh, and data exchanges across uh, industries uh, is where you'll see more investment going into you know, you know, strengthening their, their, their security. Right. And I think that's, that's fundamental um, and that's hygiene. Right, that's hygiene. Yeah, exactly. I think we're, we're certainly we're looking more uh, our digital channel of distribution for the insurances are playing on the convenience factor. We're not asking for any data incrementally to that you've already shared with our partners. Fair we're enough. simply a, a allowing you access to product um, where previously you would have to go and seek it out, right? right? And developing specific propositions that are very convenient for you to purchase um, with with a bit of sustainability, so you're protected for a good period of time. But they're very relevant to the journeys that you're performing. You may be on in a bank and applying for a credit card yep. or a personal loan or, or paying a utility bill. We've got specific propositions for you, micro-insurance propositions, that as, as a flick of a, a switch or an opt-in, you're protected, right? That's That would have taken before a conversation with a broker about a product you probably never thought about because it didn't have the context. So the digital transactions are giving the context. We're bringing convenience and we're not asking for any incremental data. When you look at that triangle you were talking about as mm -hmm. the strongest shape, right? Mm -hmm. And you think about the ideal partnership for you. If you could just back up for a second and say, when I try to initiate a new partnership, I always run into problem A, B, and C. I'm curious what those are. Mm -hmm. If they get if, if the time to solution is shorter, it gets shorter and shorter now, yeah. and if you could just remove them, what would a perfect partnership look like to you? It's a great question. It, it's definitely that, uh, you know, a lot of our partners have been and some still going through the, the digital transformation, yeah. legacy IT infrastructure, uh, legacy cultures, yep. legacy mindsets, right? It, it, it exists. So, you know, n new companies who are built ground up on a, on a suite of microservices, right. they're, they're truly agile in the ability that they're able to plug this to that, to that and craft services um, that develop propositions in an app. They're able to test and experiment and learn very quickly. They have the appetite to do so. And they understand there are trade-offs. So they may trade off certain elements of their proposition for an incremental fee income from an insurance product, but able to see the bigger picture and the opportunities that exist there. Um, that's, that's exciting for us. The partners that are really, truly agile, both at the, uh, the information architecture level, yeah. but also culturally and willing to experiment. I didn't anticipate talking about Maslow's hierarchy, nor did I anticipate talking about microservices. What are triangles today? It was really, really good, <laughs> yeah. actually. But, but I, I, I want to I wanna ask this as well. If you're getting into one of these partnerships, do you feel like it's becoming easier and that because all of these companies are also going through their own digital transformation, that when you come in with what seems like a perfect partnership to you, right, or from your perspective, you know internally like, oh, this may not work because they're not there yet as opposed to they don't want to do it. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. I think through the conversation with our partners early on through to deciding on what we're going to launch first, there's certainly there's the appetite and readiness to do it. Um, we, we've built out a, a platform, an insure tech platform within Chubb called Chubb Studio that really helps them get there a lot quicker. SDKs, prepackaged APIs, propositions, experiences, just to help them break the barriers of resource constraints code code access right. testing cycles right right so we can get there right yeah. make the make the, the the case proven within their business and then start to develop a more 
persistent plan? I think about it like this. In the old days, right, Morgan Stanley had email before a lot of our clients did. So if I said to one of them, hey, let me just send you an email, they would just say, can I fax it to you instead? Mm -hmm. And it didn't make any sense to me until much later when I thought, well, maybe they just don't have it yet. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was pointing towards, right? Like they're not as far advanced as you are, so they have to say no until they get there. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We, we, we have partners at varying degrees of maturity digitally. Right. Um, but, but equally, they've, we've still got channels of choice of customers, call Very. centers and yep. branches, and there are other touch points where insurance still distributes. But digitally, yeah, different levels of maturity. I think a partnership is just like a marriage. And both of you complement each other. So one party may be less digitally mature. Right. But if the other party, as you mentioned, has something that they can bring to the table mm. that could accelerate um, the, the d digital journey of, right. of the other party. Right. So I think something like Chop Studio is fantastic because it allows um, your partners to just plug and play on board their products almost very seamlessly and then to start distributing the next mm. day. So yeah, I, I do think um, that that's how a partnership should be working. I agree. And I think that we're, we've reached a point now, there's so many inflection points taking place right now in the, in the world of technology, in the world of insurance, in the world of open banking. And I feel like companies are starting to understand that when they go to make partnerships with other companies, that they have similar challenges and that there is this little bit of a mismatch. And I think about marriage the same way, right? It's like this, it's like this oscillation between like who's further ahead than not. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, as long as you meet again, mm -hmm. that's a great partnership, right? So there are times where it's this for somebody mm -hmm. and this for the other person. And as long as they're meeting, that's okay. Yeah, and you're ahead. a team. You're, exactly. you're basically working together to get a win-win kind of an outcome. Mm, right. Your partner will present, you know, wider catchment, allow you to align to the lifestyle of your customers, mm. you know, more seamlessly. And you may have, you know, the, the necessary products and services um, to, to kind of complement what your partner has yeah. to its customers. I think the other thing that gets forgotten is there's a lot of talk about the technology, the products, the pricing. Mm. The reality is there's a team of people that yeah. are behind that. And the partnership yeah. is really once the deals are signed and the suits walk away from the table, right? What's left is uh, <laughs> a great things. bunch of people right. operationally plugging these two things together. And look, we've got great tools to, to make that easier and quicker but it's the people that do it and you know every time i look at just the extent of the design teams the development uh, and the technology and but the people that are doing it that's really where the partnership exists and, and it's our job when we're talking to partners up front and i call it the sniff test or kick tires and they're doing the same with us Go vice ahead. versa it's right. great to meet people sure sure um but passionate people who care about the same things and the teams that sit behind that front line of business development or partnership management you know bring them to the table and get each other to talk um, that, that's what excites us. Yeah. Working with people on a ground level. At the end of the day, really, it is about yeah. the other people, yeah? No? Do we see other megatrends, other massive things happening that are creating inflection points that are changing the way we look at industry, but also the way we look at insurance? There are... Climate change comes to mind. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that's stuff exactly like that. what I so was go about ahead. to talk about. So I think there are going forward, going to be several waves of change. And, and it's something that's coming fast and furious. And I think companies just need to make sure uh, they strengthen their digital cores, get their fundamentals right to ride those waves when they come. And what are those? 
climate change. Right. Um, they focus on ESG. Yeah. You know, many companies will need to comply with the sustainability, um, you know, um, guidelines. Right. right? And, and, and we'll s- we, we're seeing this presenting a, an excellent opportunity for you know, insurers to innovate. You know, because to be ESG compliant, to be able to report correctly, right. you need to build digital, well, develop dig- digital solutions. You need to improve on your data availability. Yep. And all these things give you a very good reason um, to try to accelerate um, some of your business goals uh, and transformation goals as well. well. So we're talked about data, new technology, new business models. And now this wave, this other wave of climate change and ESG appropriation into all industry, yep. not just insurance. Does this also drive new product creation? Absolutely. Tell Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, all of those things give us that opportunity. Because the data is key for this. The data is key. Third-party data, all of those, yeah. those cultural or environmental things that are changing have mm. data points on them. Absolutely. And if you can leverage those to create propositions, uh, it's exciting because they, they create more frequent engagement propositions opposed to your normal, I buy, service and claim you know imagine logging into this uh, aggregated account we talked about mm-hmm. earlier right, where right. i see my insurance policies and instead of just seeing a list of pdfs right you're seeing this living breathing balance of premium and claim payouts because the fog the fog index hit a certain level unemployment rate so you've got this parametric based probability based environment of data feeding a policy that you bought that you have no control over it doesn't impact you or the goods that you buy directly but the environment you're within yeah, so and go ahead. I completely agree that ESG really gives us an opportunity to reimagine how products and services uh, can be developed. Yeah. And also, you know, what kind of experiences we can give to our customers, our employees, as well as, you know, our distributors as insurers. Yeah. So I, I think it's um, a game changer, right, for those who are brave enough to take that plunge. Yeah, we were looking for partners that have the same passion and want to take those products to market, test and trial them. They're very new, very innovative, and they need the data and they need the touch point to, to do that with. And I, I see it as, um, uh, you know, it's going to be inevitable that in the next couple of years, uh, you'll see more ESG-powered products hitting the market. And that's where you see a whole wave of innovation, product innovation, service innovation um, that's going to be out there. And it's going to be a very exciting space to watch when that happens. I want to, I want to talk about this wallet thing for a second, mm-hmm. right? Because you've reminded me of something. I saw the transformation in what I'll call traditional financial services industry, right? So if I had some stocks being held at broker A, some stocks being held at broker B, I could then buy an external third-party application, feed all that stuff mm-hmm. in through an API in real time, and then see what my market exposure was through fixed income, equities, futures, commodities, and I could see it myself without having to ask five different brokers for information in PDFs and then build an Excel spreadsheet to try to do some analysis. Is this what you're suggesting as well? That's exactly So I can have other inputs into it in real time Mm -hmm. to figure that stuff out. That would be kind of cool in the insurance space for sure. And then dovetail with my other stuff. Sorry, go ahead. It's empowerment. It's giving the customer choice of the experience I want to consume. I could be in my grab app and aggregate these things. Uh, it's, It's on the insurance. It's on the financial industry to to share this information publicly and be confident that, of course, they're looking for a way to, to get a return on that exposure. Sure, sure. Um, but that context, and, and I always look it back at, 
you know, Chubb and my employer give me an insurance policy, a, a life insurance, I have medical insurance, right. uh, dental insurance, right. and then I, there's stuff that I want to buy personally, but I've got no context of the two things. And right, the surveys we perform will yeah. often tell us, well, I think I've got that. <laughs> I think I've got travel insurance, so I'll be okay. And there's that mistrust, but but what if that credit card free travel product had existed on the same balance as your life, your health, your dental, but then you saw glaring gaps in your lifestyle products, your right. coverage of right. your cyber, your you know the the exposures that you have. There's, it gives you context. You can add them in. Then you can add them in. You add them on. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was it you or was it you that mentioned parametric insurance? But I mean, this is a real big change we have because of technology, right? Yep. I can now access real time data, synthesize that real time data, and then create products that are based on it. And as soon as that trigger happens, mm -hmm. as soon as X happens, right? I've written into my parametric pro product, I then get a payout that's automatic. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer it's as well. A, it's no? a game changer. Our ride cover products, as I mentioned, is parametric based. The claim is the proposition. And at that point, the parametric has to empower that. Uh, but I think we can all imagine or have experience being in an airport and that dreaded news of flight delayed. You come just sit up. there and you're just like, and what do I do? This, what do I do? I've got this insurance in place. It's doing nothing for me potentially, right. but it can and it does now. Chubb have parametric based flight delay insurance that could potentially pay you immediately either money you know, this, I'm sorry to hear this has happened. We've put this money in your account. Here's access to the lounge. Here's a QR code. Go and spend $10 at the uh, at Starbucks. Right. You know, just enriching that bad part of the experience. I mean, you mentioned experiential experiences earlier, right? So I imagine a situation like this. And let's move back to other places where we use apps or we use technology to do things, right? I go into Amazon and I buy a product or any anything that's online, yeah? And it says, if you bought this, you've, you'd should buy this because other people they make a recommendation to it right so think about your in an airport as well your flight gets canceled your cover knows it and even if they don't cover all of the cost of it just getting that payout i call this like para indemnity insurance right you get a little bit of a payout and you're like okay now i feel comfortable and yeah. now i can handle things this is the type of experience that i see coming more and more does that make sense absolutely and i would go one step further go. to say that why stop there why not book me a, a, you know, a, a grab uh, to take me home if my flight gets cancelled? Absolutely. And, and I think that would totally blow my mind as a customer. It's the triangle, right? It's yeah. job, it's grab, Singapore Airlines, right? <laughs> and yeah. you come together to, to understand yeah. that's the, those are the people I was interacting with or Changi Airport. You know, these are the things that happen, but there's optionality or throw a hotel into the mix. And suddenly this ecosystem, you throw everything in the mix, either third parties yeah. or our partners are co-creating these products because they right. think they know what the customer pain points are. Exactly. I think that's the perfect way to end on the triangle, the power of the triangle. <laughs> Thank you both for doing this. Adrian Hill, Elijah Chan, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.